Hey everybody, so uh, audio drama is a pretty small world, so we like to help out other shows whenever we can, and uh, when those other shows happen to be excellent, uh, that's very easy. So why don't you all do yourselves a favor and check out our friends at Rude Alchemy. Um, it's kind of a farce in the Victorian steampunk thriller type of uh, genre. It's very well produced. It's very, very funny. And the guys behind it really seem like they genuinely care about making something good. So look up uh, Rude Alchemy on iTunes and you will not regret it. And that's all for now. Uh, we hope you enjoy Evil Untold Part 4. And this was a really fun one to make. And uh, we hope it's fun for you guys to listen to. Thanks. The Once in Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceinfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter 8, Evil Untold Episode 4 I'm told that when two humans first take each other as lovers, it is not uncommon for them to spend the first night of their love affair not sleeping at all, but instead becoming as intimately familiar as possible with each other's corporeal forms. Ironer Regan, the erstwhile thief and future queen, despite being intimately familiar with the corporeal forms of many an acquaintance, had never truly known love in her adult life. This is not to lay that all at her feet. If you followed our tale thus far, you know very well why that is. But so it was. However, Regan did treat new weaponry the way most people treated a new lover. At dusk, she did not quite have the feel for the sighting mechanisms on her new crossbows. By dawn, she could fell a goose at a hundred yards. Lack of sleep was a price she was happy to pay in order not to carry anything into battle which she did not know at least as well as she knew herself. Brennan awoke to grease crackling over a fire. Breakfast? If we are doing this thing, let's get there soon before I remember how stupid it is. After breakfast, the party set off down a path through increasingly swampy countryside. Eventually, they reached a hill emerging from the swamp. In this hill was a stone door covered in moss. In front of the door was a very precisely organized stack of human skulls. Nia raised her new elven staff towards the door and muttered something briefly. The tip of the staff lit up in a blue glow. Under this illumination, runes were clearly visible carved through the moss and into the stone door. As she read, a 
crow emerged from the swamp to land atop the door. This is writing from the old times, but it seems to have been carved recently. I thought the old tongues of men were nearly all lost. They are. This is the only dialect of which we still have knowledge, albeit still limited. There is one tablet which was partially translated into Old Elvish. It's in Balokir's personal library, in fact. So you can read this inscription? I remember very little. Most of it from my earliest days at the college. I can make out words for torment and realm of... Friends. As Nelson said, by Galadin, I do not know how that boy knows all that he does. I do not understand. This word means friend. Feigned. Funny. I'd nearly forgotten that word. Reminds me of... She stood tall and spoke the word louder. Veined. In a flutter of feathers, the crow suddenly swooped off the doorframe and landed on a particular skull within the pile. Lacking a better idea, and with some trepidation, Nia reached for that skull. The rest of the party drew all their weapons and trained them at the doorway. Nia pulled on that skull. It attached to a rather rusty chain. As the cleric pulled, the stone doorway grated open. The noises that that door made, well, they were the noises one might have expected from a location named the Cairn of Evil Untold. When nothing immediately leapt out at them, Nia raised her glowing staff to light the darkness and entered the cairn. Brennan and Yellowin followed. Regan removed a small scythe and chain from her pack and secured the rusty chain in the open position before bringing up the rear. As they entered the cairn, the party lit torches. The firelight revealed that the passage they trod was lined with eerie statues, human-shaped figures kneeling in prayer. However, None of these statues was in possession of a head, and each statue was bowed down to a small round stone. The passageway ended in a steep spiral staircase, disappearing downwards into the gloom. Without much of a choice, the party descended. At the bottom of the stairwell, the group found themselves in an enormous hall so large that the combined torchlight could not reach the walls. The hall appeared to contain a number of long, narrow stone tables, and many more of the eerie, headless statues. As they surveyed the surroundings, their eyes suddenly caught a movement from one of the statues. In an instant, a crossbow bolt and an arrow were flying side by side towards the movement. A snake fell dead from the statue. As it fell, it knocked into the round stone by the statue. The stone rolled, or rather wobbled, along the floor to rest against the toe of Sir Brennan's boot. Brennan picked up the stone and blew off the dust. Once it was so cleaned, the eye sockets and a grinning jaw were apparent. Oh, 
Galadin's mercy. The group approached the statue to confirm their sickening realization that it was, in fact, a human corpse. The body was decapitated, burned, desiccated, and also impaled by three identical swords through the gut. They all looked back the way they had come, realizing how many other corpses they had passed. Who do you think these men were? Whoever they were, someone really fucking hated them. What little is known about this place says it was the site of unspeakable crimes. Were these the victims or the punished perpetrators? They're victims now. Let's find what we came for. I'd not stay here any longer than needed. Walking along the hall, the party soon reached a stone dais. Atop this dais sat a stone altar. Atop this altar sat an unmistakably ancient chest. This looks to be what we seek. This too has the old script written on it, but I can't recall the meanings of any of these words. As Nia inspected the ancient chest, the more militarily inclined of the party took a defensive stance. Brennan walked around to the far side of the altar, where he found a large table, more ornate than the rest of the hall. At this table sat twelve more bodies. These had kept their skulls. Based on the agony twisted plainly on their faces, however, one might have deduced that this was more a curse than a mercy. Wait a minute. Brennan saw the seat at the head of the table conspicuously empty. The chest has already been opened. Then close it and let us leave. If it's already open, there's no harm in seeing what's in it. We were given very clear instructions. Not to open it. And we haven't. It's already open. It could still be trapped. I've seen it before. How long I've yearned for the chance to conduct research in an actual site of antiquity. We're not here for research. Let's get it outside and then I'll open it with you. Deal? Quiet! At first, the sound of footsteps coming from the stairway was faint only detectable by Yilloween's keen elvish ears. Yet the sound grew louder, and grew closer, and closer. They all trained their weapons on the stairwell. For a brief moment, Brennan looked down at the skull on the ground at his feet. Suddenly the skull's eyes popped open to stare up at the night, and the rictus grin of death somehow widened. As Brennan stomped down on the skull, The sounds of creaking suddenly came from all around them. Defiant of all natural and physical law, the statues slowly rose and turned towards the altar. Oh, now what in the fuck is this shit? With a sudden hiss, an army of snakes emerged from their walls. In eerie unison, they slithered towards the skulls and pushed them back towards the necks of their erstwhile owners. Galadin, save us! The rumors! Undead! An army of undead stood before them. Yilloween placed an experimental arrow through the skull of one of them. The skull shattered, and the corpse fell to the ground, unmoving. Without a word, another stepped forward to take its place. For a tense moment, stillness filled the hall, until... In eerie unison, each corpse reached to its own belly and drew out one of the swords impaling it. The army advanced. Suddenly, battle raged in the hall. 
Bolts and arrows flew, and Brennan's throwing axes flashed in the dim light. And yet the undead continued to press forward. For each one that fell, another took its place. The battle looked increasingly hopeless, until Nia raised her elven staff. The blue light at the tip intensified as Nia gestured it towards the corpses. Back! Get back, you fell abominations in Galadin's name! The light of Nia's staff halted the corpses in their tracks. As she swung her staff towards them, they retreated a step. Can it be? Have you finally returned? The voice emerged from somewhere behind the party. Brennan and Regan spun to face the new threat, but Nia's focus remained on holding back the undead army. They will not harm you, unless I tell them to. Why don't you turn and face me, Nia? How do you know my name? How could I forget it, Vade? Reno? Nia slowly lowered her staff. True to the words of the voice, the army did not advance any further. Nia slowly turned around. As she did, torches lining the hall suddenly sprang to light, illuminating the macabre scene. A man stood before them, or rather, the remains of a man stood before them. Nia's hands trembled. My god, Renaud! What have you done to yourself? I have conquered death. You've corrupted everything, and yourself most of all. You know this... Th thing? We studied at Armstrong Guard together. A very long time ago, it seems. Look on my works. Can there be any doubt of my genius now? And I have done it all for you, Nia. Why don't we give you two a minute and we'll just get this chest out of your way? Nia's hand shot to Regan's arm. Don't you dare leave me alone down here. He's your friend. He was. Galadin only knows what he is now. I am the greatest mage, technically, alive. And your intellect, Nia, is the only suitable match for mine. Were it not cased in so flawless a body, then I would not be tortured by my desire. But there you stand, and I am but a man. Desire this, you unholy beast? Brennan did what he does best when introduced to a new foe. He launched an axe at it. As the pearly blade spun towards Renault, one of the seated corpses at the table suddenly lurched to life. With supernatural speed, an undead arm shot into the air and grabbed the spinning axe handle. Just as quickly, it flung the weapon back from where it came. Brennan needed to block the blade away with another axe to prevent it from impaling him. Thank you, Kevin. I'd counsel against lame attempts at violence, you old fool. Should I perish, the spell I've placed on my army will compel them to follow their last orders in life and defend this tomb against any intruders. He might be bluffing. Yeah, I think so. Regan lifted both her crossbows, each one now reloaded to six deadly bolts. She aimed them both at Renault's chest. What do you say, Stinky? I got twelve friends here, think you're full of shit. 
Oh, yes, please throw the chance tokens with me and see what happens. Renault did not flinch. He barely so much as blinked his eyes, and his expression remained just as calm as ever. Shit. Either he's for real or else rigor mortis makes for a great fucking poker face. So, Nia, do you admit your love for me now? What? Do you admit your love for me? My god, Renault, you cannot possibly be serious. I can see by your eyes how impressed you are by my arcane mastery. I'm not impressed. I'm frightened and repulsed. Necromancy, Renault? Repulsed by your earlier error in passing me over? Frightened by the lustful feelings you're finally forced to acknowledge? How's this for research in the field, Nia? Oh, get stuffed. I'll pass this time, thanks. Besides, he seems only to have eyes... well, uh... maggoty eye holes for you. Are you implying... I will not defile myself? No need to defile yourself, but perhaps by means of manual stimulation... Oh, for Galadin's sake! No mere erotic release could sate my love. Let's just figure out what'll get this guy to back off and then get the fuck out of here. Men aren't complicated, Neo. Not all men are the simple creatures you make us out to be, thinking only with their members. I desire on a deeper level. My lust is that of the soul. You've forsaken your soul, Renault. Have I? Then whence does my love for you still burn? Do you not realize what you've done here? Of course I do. I told you it could be done by a skilled enough mage. Lesser men are only frightened of it because they are too weak to control it. Let me show you how sweet sin can be. Necromancers pervert the order of Galadin and the most sacrosanct traditions of men for their own personal gain. Not all necromancers... Oh, wait. Uh, yes, that one is definitionally true, but no matter! For it was long before I mastered death that I committed the sin which drove my love away. I was young, naive, and blissfully besotted, and I committed the sin, which is vilest of all by the reckoning of women, despite their words otherwise. I was too nice! Oh boy, he's one of those. Yeah, we're gonna be here a while. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed by Christian Madeira. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Lily Drexler Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins Paul Notice Frank Queres Julie Reed Gregory M. Schultz it is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. This episode was edited by Josh Perot. 
theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 